Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. You guys ready? Yeah. Yep. Guys, welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader. We are here with my friends, Matt Stagmer and Steve House, and we're going to talk about all the things that they've been up to. These guys have been up to stuff. You know what I'm saying? But before we get into that, let's talk about a little bit of business. Number one is Broadback Ironworks. Makers the 2x72 grinder for knife makers and sculptors and metal workers and sculpt and whatever. you removing material. This is, the, this is the machine for you. Go to BroadbackIronworks.com. Put in the promo code KNIFETALK10 for 10% off of the grinders, attachments, parts. They got new, new attachments now that are really great. They're adjustable. Uh, work rest is dynamite. And I hear good things about the... Rotary Platinum. Rotary Platinum. Oh, yeah. So go check out what's going on over there and use that Knife Talk 10 for 10% off all your stuff. Next are my friends at Evenheat, Evenheat-Kiln.com. They are the sponsors of this podcast and the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. Go find your next oven at Evenheat-Kiln.com. Get involved with that tap control. Get involved with that solid-state drive. If you're making anything that needs to be hard... They're the ones for you. Never forget, even heat. It's hard on the outside and warm in the middle, just the way you like it. Guys, listen, I want you to get yourself involved with even heat. See all the different things that they have. Go to evenheat-kill.com. Get yourself, if you're in metalwork, if you're a ceramicist, if you're a glass blower, this is the stuff for you. Evenheat-kill.com. Next are my friends at, in Canada, if you're in Canada or United States, Go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com or MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca for all your knife-making needs. Belts, abrasives, steels, kilns, forges, presses, heat treating ovens, anvils, ovens, all the... If you need some damage steel, they got it. If you need some... The Broadback, if you're up in Canada, they're the distributors of Broadback. If you need anything... Lawrence Lake is also a knife maker, so he knows what you need. He's got, he knows these little tiny things that anytime I'm on Knife Talk, I mention something, he got it. So go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca. If you're not, if you're in Canada, what do you play? What you're playing? Obviously, you can't get it all in whatever Canadian Home Depot is. And, and if you're in the United States, they're just as fast as everybody else. If you get a 10-pack of abrasive belts, you get 10% off. So check out everything at MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. I want to thank my friends at Trojan Horse Forge, makers of the Stable Rail Knife Finishing Vice. Sam and Jeff are hard at work making vices built in the heart of Texas. The vices are meant to take your handle finishing to a whole new level with features you won't find anywhere else. They have a uh, quick connect stable rail uh, sanding attachment that allows you to maximize the use of this vice. You can hand sand the knives uh, and you're supported. There's... um, rubber all over the place and they are great they're in a bomb proof case and if you don't if you're not if you're not playing around with with the with them you're you're, you're making a big mistake and if you go to trojanhorseforge.com put in the promo code full blast 10 you're gonna get 10 percent off everything including the t4 central oil their new handle press attachment 
and everything else. I definitely get involved with them. When they make, they make in batches. It's an American-made company. And when they're out, they're out. And they're constantly making more and selling more and making more and selling more. I really appreciate these guys. So definitely get a hold of them. Next are my friends at BakerForge.com. That's BakerForge and Tool on Instagram. Boy, I had such a good time with with uh, Koi. Koi Baker really is a great. Uh, if you're a maker and you want to be inspired, go follow, go listen to the Baker Forge episode, the Koi Baker episode. He was he's really great, and uh, he's making really, really, really great steels. The steels that he uses, all the copper mascus and the copper mice and the bronze mice and the copper mascus and all this bullshit. I mean, all this great exotic steel. He you know I'm playing. Don't worry about that, Matt. I got. I know what I'm doing. Ew, this stuff is the best, <laughs> and the best part about it is, is very, very, uh, very, very repeatable. So all the steel there, I've ne- I've been using their steel for a while. There's no inclusions. There's no uh, weirdness. There's the cores in the middle. Everything's easy to use. It comes ready to cut on your bandsaw. It's ready to heat treat. Super duper easy to use. If you're a stock removal guy, there's no reason why you wouldn't use Baker Forge stuff. And as if you can get it, if you can heat treat to uh, to eighty uh, CRV two, which is not nothing to write home about, you can do this. So definitely go over to BakerForge.com. Put in the promo code Full Blast. Get you ten percent off including gator piss yes and ladies and gentlemen gator piss gator is short for alligator piss is short for urine this is the best etching on, on the market and no one talks about etching like they do gator piss i don't know how they do it but they do it i've used it for damascus steel i've used it for the baker forge stuff i've used it for damascus steel damascus stuff is awesome and if you go to uh, if you're in Europe, you can go to diyeurope.eu, and a uh, boy got some gator piss. And the funny thing is, is if you're not in the United States, nobody knows where an alligator is. So don't worry about that. Just tell some <laughs> of that. I mean, seriously, the crazy part is there ain't no alligators in Europe, right, Steve? No, but but we have like education and stuff. We've got and the BBC. Piss. Oh, really? And lots of piss. <laughs> but you never seen an alligator. Taking you got a piss. piss. You got piss all over the place. So definitely go get yourself some of that. Um, I forgot that you do have education. Uh, I, I apologize to the <laughs> European listeners, but you know, you never heard of, you never seen one. You ain't no, they don't have alligators in the zoos in, in the EU or or in the UK. So don't worry about that. <laughs> All right, guys, go get yourself some of that copper, my bronze, my sand, my copper, copper. The Damascus, Copper Damascus, Mosaic Damascus. Get yourself some of that gator piss. Bakerforge.com, full blast, get you 10% off. Last, not last but not least, but I want to thank my friends at Total Boat. That's totalboat.com slash full blast. That's, a, that's an immediate uh, direct link to give me some street cred. Get yourself some of that two-part epoxy, the UV Cure Clear Resin. I've been, I'm a knife maker, and I use their two-part epoxy, and I love it. So if, you, if you're like me or if you like Keith Decent, Derek from Alden, Jim, uh, Keith Johnson, Jimmy Duresta, Keith Mitchell, all them Keiths. Go get yourself some of that total boat. Stop playing. My friends at GL Hansen and Sons are making this amazing G-Carta. G-Carta is a unique, unique composite of natural fibers, fabrics mixed with epoxy under pressure. Stuff is dynamite, and it's perfect for handle scale. So basically, it's like a loaf of colorful canvas micarta with different types of epoxy and then they cut it on the cro- on the bias so you end up getting this something that looks like kind of a brain corally thing get yourself some of that bofa ripple cut tuxini mahi mahi radio worm g carta pheasant colorama hoopla you could even say why is he saying these names you need to go to g.l. underscore hansen and sons on instagram you can see what i'm talking about but definitely get yourself some of that stuff go to gcarta.bigcartel.com i'm with you 100 percent 
Uh, I love these guys, and I love their material. And last but certainly not least, I want to thank my friends at Tormek, celebrating 50 years in business with the black T8 sharpening system, the water-cooled sharpening system. It is dynamite. It has made me a better knife maker because I've been able to figure out ways in which to sharpen my knives and make my knives better so they're, I'm getting a repeatable edge, a very good edge. I'm very happy with them, and I'm not undercutting the edge. I'm not overdoing it. I'm not overheating the knives. I'm getting a very, very repeatable edge. So go to Tormek.com, see what they're up to, or go to Tormek underscore sharpening on IG. And the last but not least, one thing, you guys got to help me out. I got Pat Quinn, whoops, I got Pat Quinn from the Center for Mental Arts coming soon. And Ooh. we're going to be doing a blacksmith question and answer situation. And this is your opportunity to ask questions for uh, about blacksmithing, no, you know, whatever you want. Anything about blacksmithing, forging, Center for Mental Arts. Um, and I'm going to have him in here. We're getting some questions together, and we're going to do a uh, kind of like, a, you know, blacksmith talk with a guy who's about as respectable as it comes. Uh, Pat Quinn is one of the best, and he will answer your questions. So go to Full Blast Podcast on Instagram, and then DM us me your questions. It'll be really helpful. And then, you know, you'll get to you'll get to interact with Pat Quinn, which is good enough for me. You know what's really good enough for me? My two friends are here, Matt Stagmer and Steve House. Matt Stagmer, Wait. you know who Stat Matt Stagmer is. He's he's made, that works. He's that works. He's the, he's a, he's a YouTube star. He's an awesome guy. Oh, and my friend Steve House, Moonshine Metalwork. I'm supposed to give you an ass whipping, but I don't think I will. Guys, <laughs> how are you? I'm really I'm doing, good. I'm doing great myself, man. I was waiting for at least one more of those. Last but not least. Yeah. yeah, well, you gotta. I mean, here's the funny thing. I love doing ad reads, and the more I do them, the faster, the better I get. You did. You broke your record last time. Was eleven minutes. I yeah, yeah, I gotta. Did. I gotta like. Well, you know, God bless know. Nordic Edge. <laughs> They're not with me anymore. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons why. God bless Nordic Edge. Hope se- sending the best vibes to you guys. Everything worked out fine. They were a super great sponsor. And I have nothing but uh, highest regards for those guys over at nordicedge.com.au. Definitely give them a follow. That was the last but not least. Guys, Steve, you're back in the UK. I am, yes. It was great seeing you at Maker Camp. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was was very wet at Maker Camp, but it was really good getting to see everyone. Um, Like, I... I, if I can find an excuse to get over there every year for that, I will. It's just, it's such a good event. Yeah, it's almost a, like in one way, it's a shame that it rained as far as the event goes, but I feel like it gave a lot of the people who are usually working all day, well, you guys in the blacksmith tent just kept working, but most everybody else kind of like gathered underneath the pavilion or something. So it gave me time to get to know a lot more people this year. Yeah, so that was kind of cool for us, but not necessarily for the event as a whole, but either way. We all uh, came out a little better, I think, than that event every year. The overall, Definitely. when I talked to people about this past year, and the, we got deluged, and the way the what happened was the water just drained into the blacksmithing tent. I mean, it drained everywhere, but I mean, it was like they were not prepared for this kind of water. I mean, it was insane. How can you? The, the, best, <laughs> the best thing about the whole thing was everyone was in such good spirits. Yeah. Like yeah. nobody was a prick. I was talking to Austin. He was like, everyone was super cool and is the only one of the reasons why he wants to keep doing it. Everyone had such a good attitude, which was kind of frankly bizarre. I mean, no one was bitching and hollering. I'm sure there were some people bitching and moaning, but I mean, it was about <laughs> as good an event as possible. And the funny part was, well, funny, but it was what the great part was, 
was we couldn't really get anything done. And then Steve and, um, and all your guys decided, Hey, do you think we could forge and do some demos in the water? Yeah. And you guys were amazing. <laughs> Thanks man. But like, cause I was going to say, it's the first time, um, Joe and Jimmy have been able to come over for one of these events. Right. And, um, and I've been hyping it up for so many years and saying how good it is and that you should really come along. And, uh, and I think they both kind of, uh, wanted to go along and wanted to get involved because like I think if anything they were a little overwhelmed because there's just so many people to meet and so many people to talk to and and all of that so I think it was kind of uh as much as I think it was just like a safety net for them to be right. able to get get behind an anvil actually just start doing some uh some forging it just felt right and they're more... they're no strangers to rain they were probably just right at home with that right yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you guys were like, I mean, it didn't seem to be that. I mean, the weirdest, the hardest part was there was like, you know, two and a half inches of water under the anvils. I mean, I still yeah. have, I have a mud line around my anvil stand <laughs> from where, from where the mud was just kind of running through. It was yeah. bananas. Yeah. But you guys were like, no, yeah, no problem. And yeah. Austin would bring bales of hay and throw hay down to kind of sop it up. And everyone had a great attitude. I, that you, you were always very smiley with your, see, I'm, see, I'm not beating your brakes in, Steve. <laughs> I know. Jesse thought I was going to beat your brakes in. And I didn't beat your brakes in. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you were a great attitude, and I think it really helped. Yeah, I mean, it, it, with an event like that, like you say, you you can go one of two ways: is you can you can get upset and you can complain about it, but no one can do anything. It's it's the situation you're in. So, and I think with especially with like the maker community as well, everyone's just trying to find a way of of fixing the problem somehow. Which, to be fair, I think was mostly just all of us kind of scraping out escape channels for the water so we had these like these rivers running through the um the blacksmithing mm -hmm. tent rather than it just being one big lake right mm -hmm. well you know what the funniest part is and maybe i'm being cynical and that's just the way it is but i think it had to do with the location i mean where maker yeah. camp is oh yeah there's nothing around i mean there is i mean there is legit they call it the irish alps i mean there ain't nothing over there i mean no. you can't it's not like if it was in the queens or brooklyn if it was in brooklyn people would have just fucking left and it wouldn't have yeah. been, all right guys well i think i'm rained out i think i'm gonna go home i mean but because you're in the middle of nowhere it, yeah there wasn't a where, whole where else are you gonna go yeah where the fuck are you gonna go so <laughs> maybe i shouldn't be so kind about everyone's attitude maybe it was just a question of like well <laughs> we have nowhere to go so yeah you know so when you left, I guess you went straight down to uh, work with uh, Matt and Chris down in uh, Maryland, yeah? Yeah. I, actually, well, go ahead. It's the other way around. Okay. <laughs> he was here first doing all the stuff with us, and then Maker's Camp happened. Okay. And then, it, and then he was here for a while longer for yeah. some other craziness. Yeah. 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 I, I, originally, I was supposed to like go back home um directly after maker camp um as in like i think on the i think originally i had the flight like the day after like tuesday yeah yeah and um and then some stuff kind of happened and matt was like do you want to stay for an extra week so that we can do some blacksmithing in uh new york city um and there there's no way that i'm gonna say no to being able to do something like that so uh yeah that that craziness then happened yeah. Tell us about the craziness. All right. So 
I'm gonna try to keep it brief because we don't have that much time. You but it's time. A, it is a hell of a it is a hell of a long story Go how ahead. this all happened. So every year Steve comes over in the fall, right before Maker Camp usually, and like does stuff with Chris mostly. Him and I do some things here and there, but uh spend some time over here and then he usually comes back, you know, later in the year or whatever. Yeah. So that was already kind of on the table. And this was a Saturday morning, if I remember correctly. I'm just sitting at my computer doing some editing and I hear my wife uh, in the bedroom say, hey, honey. And I was like, oh, what's up? They're like, Did you know Conor McGregor has a beer? And I was like, no, but she likes his whiskey, proper 12. So, so Conor was, McGregor, if anyone doesn't know, Conor McGregor is an MMA. He's a do. UFC fighter, champion, multi. I mean, he's elevated the sport to something that's much more popular than ever has sure. been. So she likes his whiskey. So I was like, oh, let me check out this beer. So I, I like go on Instagram. She sends me the link before I could even get my phone. And I, she said, and his the logo for the beer is a sword. And I was like, oh, no shit. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to reach out just reach out to whoever's running the Instagram and say, hey, you know, I do this, that, and the other. So I reached out to him. I said, hey, you know, I run a YouTube channel. I'm Blacksmith. We make stuff mostly from games and, and movies and stuff. But, like, your logo is a pretty prominent-looking sword, and I think it would be really fun because they were just launching that their their social media presence. The beer wasn't yeah. even, like, it was probably, it was only available at the place they make it at the time in Ireland. So they were just starting their socials, and I was like, Hey, why don't we, I figured maybe they had a, you know, like a little bit of advertising budget. So I just threw it out there. Like, Hey, we'd love to make a sword. Literally. Like, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't a day later. It was within the day. They got back to me and said, Hey man, that sounds awesome. Like, you know, what's the price breakdown? Here's my email. Let's, you know, scoot this conversation over there. So I gave them the whole price breakdown and uh, they talked me down a little bit, but like they were super gung ho to do it. And it was like, Within two days of just talking back and forth, it was on, and they wanted it, like, now. And we weren't really going to get into this, but, like, at that time, after Blade Show, Ilya got his own shop and moved out of the shop. Um, You're hearing that here first. I haven't really said that much publicly. Uh, So it was just me. Chris doesn't like making swords, doesn't like making knives, so I'm kind of like, all right, well, if I'm going to do this big budget uh, sword thing, it's kind of a big deal. And back in my head the whole time, like, YouTube's a weird place. In my head, I was thinking this is going to be a big deal. It's going to get seen by a lot of people. So in my head, I wanted to make a big deal out of it, of the filming, make it better, like take my time, make sure everything's lit well, shoot it nicely. Don't just do it on a tripod. So the first thing I thought of was like, oh, shit. So Steve's supposed to come over here. I know Steve has filmed a bunch of stuff for YouTube. Well, I mean, amazing. Amazingly well. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, like. In my head, he's like another guy like me. Like he can make everything, and he can be behind the cameras. Most of the time, when you watch even uh, almost all of our YouTube videos, when I do the grinding portion of the blades, I'm filming that myself on tripod. Like no one really in the shop really enjoys shooting other than me. So I was just thinking, you know, who can I get to actually film me as I film them? And like, yeah. And immediately I was like, I thought about Steve. And I asked Chris, I was like, hey, Chris, like when's Steve supposed to come over? And he said, you know, I think at the time it was like, he was supposed to come over like the first week of October or something like that. And this was like yeah. early September. And he was like, but he'll come over early if you pay for him to come over. And I was like, are you sure? He was like, just hit him up. And I asked Steve and Steve's like, well, I got some stuff to do. And I was like, well, here's the deal. Uh, I got this 
gig with Conor McGregor, I just laid it out to Steve. And Steve's like, okay, give me a, give me a minute, see if I can like switch around um, some of my things I have scheduled. And I mean, Steve, you feel free to jump in and tell your side yeah. at any time. I'm just trying to keep it as quick as possible because <laughs> the say, good stuff comes later. But go ahead. Yeah, as I say, I, th- I think like you told me on like the. I, I, I want to say it was like the Wednesday or something like that. Yeah. And I booked the flights on the Saturday, I think, and then was on the plane the next Thursday or something. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it it was all very, very much kind of like, because I, I was working, um, obviously working with the, the guys at Thornwood Forge as well. Um, and uh, I was also doing some shifts at a, a local bar, just like extra pocket money. And it was essentially just like, how can I get out of all of these obligations <laughs> straight away? And um, and luckily, the 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 guys at Thornwood, uh, Joe and Jimmy, like they're they're super cool. As soon as I said to them, they were like, "Yeah, just do what you've got to do, dude." Like, we get that that's a a really cool thing to be part of. Yeah, it was a good um, opportunity. Yeah, and I, when I spoke to the guys at the bar, um, they essentially said the same thing. As soon as I was like. I've got to go make a sword for Conor McGregor. They just went, yep, okay, go. Yep, that's fine. (laughs) I mean, who says no to something like that? The funny thing in the back of my head, and it would be fun to get Steve's uh, perspective too, is like in the back of my head, I've been this maker of weapons, swords, whatever it is, slash, uh, you know, filmographer or whatever you want to call it for so long that I kind of forgot that Steve has never even made a sword. No. (laughs) I was just thinking, oh, he swings a hammer. I've been, we've done uh, the previous yeah. summer, we did some live demos together at Matt Harris's and uh, the local Western Maryland Blacksmith Guild here. So, like, I I had worked with Steve and I know that he's competent. He's a good, you know, good blacksmith. And I've obviously seen his videos. So, like, in my head, I didn't even think about the fact that he hasn't made a sword. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, his <laughs> first sword is going to be one for one of the most famous or infamous people on the planet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I didn't even think about that literally until he got to, uh, Chris's and it was like the day we started shooting and he just kind of pointed out, he's like, this is kind of funny. This is going to be my first sword. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like a little crap. Yeah. So but were, Steve, were you planning on just, you did when and you, I knew originally you were going to come to work with Chris was, was Chris like planning on, working with you on something different were you able to kind of like shuffle <laughs> both these guys or was it so, like a lot of ball breaking and like uh, on toes yeah that, well that, i mean there's a there's always a lot of ball breaking with oh, yeah. those guys but i think originally hey i'm nice Chris is a ball breaker. <laughs> this is true yeah um but yeah i think the original plan was uh with chris like every year his kind of plan is that i will um I'll come out and, you know, it'll be quite a relaxed time. Um, and you That's know, we- not his plan. That's your plan. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this, this, this is what I mean. This is like every year. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I've not got, really got anything planned. And then the first year he bought an entire, like, metal shop. And right. then this year something else happened. And, and it's just one of those where every time I go out, he seems to end up getting these huge, massive deals. And he's like, yeah, we're going to be working solidly for The fall six is weeks. just... No matter what shop I've been involved with, the craziness always seems to come in the fall. Yeah. Huh. I don't know what that is. I think like the seasons are changing. People want to sell stuff, get it out. It's, when, it's a good time to buy a convertible and all that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> well, just, you're you're finishing off the year and people yeah. just, you know, get those yeah. tax deductions going so, before yeah. the end of the year. So Initially, he was just going to come out with Chris and just kind of spend most of the time 
we always had talked about doing like a, a build or something while he was here because yeah. there's downtime and 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 different things. But this time it was like the first two weeks that he was here, he was all mine, and we were working on this project. Not even two two weeks, like ten days in, really. Yeah, but it was also in like what hundred degree. Yeah, heat. it just so ha- it was so beautiful the week before Steve came, <laughs> and then when he got here, it was hundred and some plus like uh, heat plus the forge going, um, and we just didn't. At the time, I had this like deadline from them that they wanted it basically done oh, yeah. and like uh, the video out in like three weeks from the time we started. So it would be like wow. two two weeks or ten days of making and then editing, send back and forth, get it approved with them. Wow, that's forth, not a lot of that. time. So no. and we've done much much worse rush jobs. It didn't seem that bad. It ended up not coming out for months and months, and a lot of that's due to me. But um, initially, we were just like let's go, let's go. And it was so hot. We didn't wait. <laughs> we just, <laughs> we were both dripping sweat. Um, it, it was, it was a hell of a time and it was just fun. I mean, yeah. there's, a, there's so much um, to the whole project that unless you're listening to this podcast or see some of the you know, like behind the scenes video stuff that I'm going to put together, you'll just never know. Uh, there was massive high level of stress. I, I did a few like, heats when i forged the bevels on the blade uh too low so we had some like weld flaws and there, oh yeah I, I about that yeah that was my major stress is there was some like weld flaw issues and i literally had used the last bit of like steel i had in the billets for this Ugh. blade even even to the point where the initial blade i'm initial billets that I put together and after all the folding I didn't ha- I didn't think I had enough material so we added in some like just bars of ADCRV which I thought would be cool anyway because when you ladder it mm. it would be like you know these like lightning streaks down the blade which did end up happening just just like that but I was like nervous we didn't have enough material I'm weighing it I'm looking at him I'm like dude I don't know I don't know you know what, what should we do what should we do and then I ended up like in the rush of it like I said dude like forging the bevels a little too low heat and we had some like weld issues and literally my only choice at that point was to grind through it and kind of yeah. like just believe in the fact that I did things right. And, <laughs> and you know, we heat treated it and it still had like some, some of the signs of the flaws a little bit. And I, I kept telling us, I have to stop grinding it here and we have to heat treat it here. Because I, I'm not going to get these flaws out. They look like they're going to grind out. But I hollow ground this huge sword. And I was like, if we hollow grind it anymore before heat treat, it's just going to like do the whole rippled chip edge thing. So we had to stop. And I, I told Steve, I was like, bro, when, <laughs> if this grinds out, <laughs> I'm literally going to grind it out like in the 600 grit. That's where the last little bit's going to grind out. Yeah. And it did. It definitely worked perfectly and everything was flawless and I hand sanded it and it turned out great. But at <laughs> bro, for, for those, I did the, like the last little bit of grinding on a Friday and I was like, I'll see you Monday. I ended up coming in, I think Saturday and Sunday just to like, I, I couldn't just sleep. Just to be sure. I yeah. couldn't sleep. I was like, oh my God, I was going to, but it all worked out. Um, that's one of those things when the camera's shining, sometimes you forget and do some silly things and Whew, that was like one of the big stress. Like I can't even, I hope to your listeners, you can like paint the picture of like, there is no other material. Usually you have some other material that you can then like 
put together another billet, swap the blade out. You already got the footage. You can do it off camera. Everything will go quicker. But I didn't even have any other material to make another two-handed giant Damascus sword on hand. It would have been like, and once again, in the back of our minds, we thought we had this like mega deadline. Um, And it just, it just (laughs) all had to work. There was no other option. And uh, it did. That's the trickiest part about this kind of business. Like I know for me in the, in the, for the, the knife game, in my company, I know that I have a certain amount of time. If I need to order, like I have a knife we're working on and there was a liner that was, we just didn't have. So I ordered it and I can Mm -hmm. imagine, I I know that I got, all right, well, I'm, it's going to take me three days to get this or whatever like that. Uh But in your situation, we don't have the steel and (laughs) then it takes time to take the steel that you get Uh. and transform it into this material. It's such a huge amount of time and energy in order to get to that point, I can imagine the stress of, I, me, can't, I can imagine the stress being just like almost crippling. And it, it was, and Steve, Steve saw it, bless his heart. He was being so supportive and just like, yeah, yeah, I think it'll be fine. But I could see it in his eyes where he was like, oh shit, a little bit. And <laughs> it was funny. Was and there- to add to all of this, to tie in our last podcast we did together, you right. and me. Oh yeah. And this, right as that stress was happening of grinding that blade and maybe it not working or maybe it working, my channel got hacked. Right. That's right. So then, you know, I was embarrassed just to come in that week and see Chris and Steve, (laughs) you know, it was just like they, but like no ball breaking happened over that, at least not initially. And I was so full of anxiety now Mm. because maybe the blade's not going to work. Maybe I got, I just signed this deal. I already took like some pre money to, uh, you know, get Steve over and to get the materials. Um, and then maybe I'm not even going to have a channel to put this video on. Oh Do I tell God. the customer? Do you not yeah. tell the customer? No, you don't. And it anything. was just like, I just didn't say anything. And I just was like, oh, dear God, hopefully, like, when this it gets through, out. it's going to be like an amazing video. It's going to be an amazing sword. Um, you just never know though. I didn't talk to these people all that much. They didn't really tell me what they wanted. They just said, here you go. Make this sword. Here's like, I don't know if, if you're listening right now and you can Google, uh, the forged Irish stout logo. It's just like a white sticker. Yeah. Logo. There's no detail in it. There's a ton open. Cause you didn't even get like a high res uh, nope. version of it you literally nope. just had a screenshot of like an instagram post yep. to go off and that was it that it was, was it we were supposed to get uh beer cans the whole time and like they the oh yeah because they they were gonna they, get us cans to shoot the demo we were gonna have cans like in the yeah. shop and like pan past them for different stuff and like it got the initial shipment supposedly got like taken by customs and like oh. all the all this stuff, so we didn't have anything to work off. Just this a little tiny two inch logo. Yeah, because the with the cans, they didn't arrive until I think the day before I was the, due to at, the well, night. The, the, the yeah, day the, you left, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they arrived the day before I actually left. So the morning that I was like about to leave and get on the plane, we had to do like the last few shots of like. Yeah. Um, like forging with cans in the foreground and like mm-hmm. the actual uh, destruction tests and stuff like that. Yep. So I ended up going to the airport essentially covered in this beer because we'd done the... Um, like <laughs> oh, the you brought it with can. you? 
Yeah, well, no, we we done the it sword just was on him because we sliced them and they just explode. So you yeah. have the beer on you. Yeah, so like, I had to right. getting getting to the airport, stinking of this uh, Irish stout, and um, yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was great fun. It was super. I mean, that kind of stuff just I'm kind of used to. Like a lot of times, you're gonna backtrack and like do your B roll later and mm. make it seem like it was all done at the same time as making and. It was funny. Like, there's little things like that. If you look in the video, nobody's going to care about this. But, like, while I'm forging the blade, while I'm actually doing the bevels on the sword, Steve is filming me the day he left. Like, we talked with the beer cans, like, panning past them and showing me. Well, I thought I had worn my apron during that whole time, but I didn't. So, in those shots, I did wear my apron. So, like, it's off and then it's on (laughs) and then it's off. Little things like that. Like, you try to to plan for. But uh, I think we did a really good job with those inserts. And... Like right before Steve left, I got him to do some talking points to yeah. camera, which we should have done tons of times before. But um, it was just like the whole thing was was literally like like just a roller coaster ride. It was a yeah. lot of emotion, and I didn't get my channel back. Like I mean, it's still not fully back. So uh, like I I just had anxiety the whole time, and it just it just all it just all worked. It kind of shows that. You know, just like you were saying with Maker Camp, um, Steve, like, you know, one of the things, just a group of problem solvers, I always say, when people ask me, like, they're trying to get into it, like, hey, what's the number one skill to learn to be a good knife maker or a sword maker or whatever it is, I always say problem solve. I'm like, you learn how to problem solve, and you will tackle 90% of this game. The rest is literally time. You got to have time in on it. But, you know, I'm Every project has a little something that goes wrong and you either freak out or you figure it out. I give you a lot of credit, Matt, because you said something that really uh, resonated with me is that when you didn't have the material, you were like, do I call a customer? And that is one of the things that drives me crazy. It's usually small businesses who are unprepared for the the eventuality Mm -hmm. of a problem. And then they're looking for some type of pity. Or they're looking for some sort of, you know, they, they don't take responsibility for the things that they're responsible for. Like, I, I've had situations where I, you know, I have these deadlines, someone's helping me, and then I get a phone call saying, oh, well, you know, this happened. And I don't need, I don't need stories. I mm-hmm. need, you know, results. And I'm really glad that you didn't call them up and say, my YouTube channel uh, right. kind of hacked, and <laughs> nobody wants to hear that stuff. Nope. And I think that that's one of the tougher things in, especially as we get older, is when you start to like your, you know, you pull your big boy pants up, and you're, you know, you're a professional. You gotta, you gotta act like it. And I, I give you a lot of credit for because there is like, you wanna, you wanna complain or be upset or this isn't going your way, but your customer doesn't that that's always a demerit when it comes to a, like a customer yeah. is they, they don't want to fucking hear about yeah. i can't imagine that like the forged people would be like well no. what happened would be like you'd say oh well you know and the guy's like i can't believe i gave this guy money <laughs> you yeah, know i mean and it certainly is is the case especially with these guys i mean we did every we usually signed serious contracts and all that well the irish guys that we dealt with i mean like everything is done by honor code and handshake and like when you mix in like kind of a pathetic, like whiny little, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, excuse making bullshit. thing, it doesn't yeah. work. And and a couple times I like accidentally like may have said something like that. Like, Hey man, we're like, we're running late on this or that. 
and like they don't. But that's they don't different. Even, they don't even answer yeah. you. They just but wait. Yeah. Running late, saying I'm running late's different. It's yeah, the, yeah. Well, I had a boss once who, when my dad was dying, um, we were working on a job, and I don't know, we were just the job was running slow. And I remember finding out that the customer had come up to me. We were installing a railing, and he says, "I'm really sorry about your dad." And I'm like, "What? What, are you what is this?" And it turned out the boss was trying to use my father's illness oh, as like a, wow. as like an escape from why we're late. Responsibility, yeah. And wow. it was so weird. And I was and I ended up talking to him like, "Look, you can never. That's is not. This is yeah, nothing to not do cool. with me or you. And I really prefer if you never really. This isn't. I'll never do it again. And that was the end of it. But I, I remember being like, "What kind of fucking? What kind of fucking guy?" makes excuses like that and it's just like yeah. i find myself especially with knife talk because we have these you know we have these younger guys you're starting in and stuff like that and most of it is is you hear these problems and then there's this well things aren't going well no customer wants to hear your problems they want no. your results exactly well that's the thing is at the end of the day the customer doesn't like genuinely doesn't care they don't give a shit they just they just want the product they want the thing at the end of it if if you've then afterwards you can add to the story of the product and be like oh it this happened and this happened and and it makes the the product itself seem more valuable like it's got a better story to it then you know maybe tell them after the fact because they might like to talk about that and and go into the story of the product but generally they just want the thing like they're right they're not concerned about what you've got going on they right. just want to know when am i going to get the thing how much is it going to cost me that that's it so i saw pictures both of you were in times square yeah. <laughs> tell me how you ended up in times square wearing okay. ufc belts ufc okay. championship belts. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh I sent, um, I sent the final photos of the sword being completed over to my contact. I said, hey, the sword done. We're talking on WhatsApp. And he says, hey, that looks freaking amazing. What are you doing September? I don't even remember what it was. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was October. Like October, October, yeah. So it was it whatever it was, like the, the week. The week. Yeah, October 17th. And I was like, uh, I don't know why. He's like, can you be in Times Square and do a live forging event? We're doing, we're unveiling um, Forged Irish Stout for the first time in America. And I was like, uh, can you send, <laughs> I didn't know, but while he's on WhatsApp with me, he's literally on a live, uh, like, board meeting trying to plan out their whole delivery schedule for their America tour of, you know, unveiling yeah. it. So while he's talking to me and going back, I was like, yeah, I can do it. He said, how can you do it? I said, send me the venue. They send me this venue. It's like a, a gala kind of ballroom setup oh type thing. And I was like, it's New York City. You can't have propane inside. What are we going to do? I said, immediately, I think, okay, we can do induction forge. I don't own an induction forge. I, I'm like, as he's in this meeting, this is all happening live. I get on the phone with Chris Zepp from Make Everything. And I said, hey, dude, you got... An induction forge, you're, you know, in my eyes, if you're like all you people are within 10 minutes of Times Square. All you people. <laughs> you know? all you I'm people. like, I just grouped <laughs> all you into people. this like little, you know, one yeah. mile thing, but he's, you know, he's not anywhere near it. So oh, he's he, an hour away. Right. He's he, an hour away. I'm an hour away from Times Square. He's he, an hour away from Times Square. He gives me this rundown of everything. I end up touching base with 
Coal Iron Works and they said, hey, we'll be, you know, we're going to, we don't have any induction uh, forges uh, right now in stock, but we're going to bring one to Maker's Camp. We'll give you a deal on that one if you want to just take that one home after the event. So, okay, it all worked out. We got our induction forge. I then, this is all happening while I'm still on WhatsApp trying to oh, negotiate with that's this. That's the best. I negotiate with the guy a decent price. It was just decent. I mean, they paid us decent money and they put yep. us up on a pretty, they put us up in the Belvedere, which was kind of a fun little hotel. And and I had never, I've been to Times Square, but like I was freaking, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago almost. And I don't think Steve had really experienced it much either. And we're like, okay, nope. we'll freaking do this. Um, it all worked out. So we go. I rent a car because I drive a Miata. <laughs> <laughs> I rent I rent a car to put the induction forge in, the three hundred and fifty pound anvil, Ugh. a stump, all the materials we would need. They asked us to basically make a sword at the event. It was like uh yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, so they, it ends up you just this fake ev- it and, you we know, didn't really know. even know what this event was until we got there. That's dead straight. It basically is where all the vendors of like craft brewers and all kinds of different like uh breweries get together and they have this big kind of convention and buyers from uh, from different bars and like chains of restaurants come try out your product and they put their annual orders in like any old kind of like industrial convention. But it's kind of a big thing. There's live music, there's hors d'oeuvres being served. There is hundreds of thousands, if not more of money, just like it by handshake right. being exchanged. And there's a bunch of drunk people right. who oh, have been course. drinking all night. Yeah. There's some people who are just sipping it, spitting it out, but then people can actually buy tickets to this. So there's like, musicians there's people walking around there are tons of uh influencers people that you like kind of recognize hey that's a guy from a band or is that like girl or somebody some model you don't really know but there's tons of like you know it's new york so anybody could show up this thing so they ask we're doing two slots i think were they two three hour slots or something like that two three hour slots of forging and another thing is we've been working all week and you know makers camp we get there the induction forge doesn't give you a break. That's, you normally you put your steel in the fire and you get like a two or three minute break while it's heating up. Right. Well, induction forge is like constant. Yeah. Steve is just going crazy. I'm going crazy. We're doing hammer and sledge, and there is no like rope tie. There is just drunk people walking yeah. by, and coming way too close. We're pushing them back, and they brought. I mean, they did it huge. Like I'm gonna have a whole video on this um, on the That Works Two channel. Um, they brought like one of those punching machines. Oh yeah, people yeah, could yeah. punch it and see it. And they had, I mean, they had a spectacle. They had yeah. all, they had Connor's UFC belts, his actual belts. There, people could take pictures with. I had the sword, which we hadn't even unveiled yet, but we're letting people hold this sword, take pictures with it, which was good at all except for one experience. Hold on <laughs> yeah. one second. Hold on one second. Yeah, I'm amazed that what I'm amazed at is, and I've been involved with events and. Obviously, the, the heads, they think that it's all magic. They don't realize uh-huh. it's yeah. going to be loud. you uh-huh. got to be able to plug things in. There's going to be uh-huh. sparks. Who's liable? Did they ask uh-huh. you for like some sort of insurance or anything like Bro, that? Bro, I tried my hardest, honest to God, you can vouch for this. I tried my <laughs> hardest to talk them out of this to the point of they didn't, you know, there's special plug that you have to have for the Yeah, induction. I was about to ask where so the fuck I, you plug in I, your induction I'm talking forge. to the electrician. I'm talking to everyone. They told me, uh, you know, the Irish guys are just like, hey, you know, everything's yeah, going to be all be right. Fine. It'll we'll be fine. We'll figure it out. Well, it wasn't fine. Two in the morning, they still hadn't figured it out. So yeah. they got the electrician. They cost them $900 to have, uh, like, 
I don't know, 400 feet of, you know, two, 220 power and oh uh, not, you know, God. whatever. It just was like this whole thing. And, uh, they were super proud to tell everybody that it cost them nine hundred dollars to just get the cable. <laughs> yeah. They pointed out to everyone the cable that was running yeah, all they across the ceiling. But they but, they loved it. Uh, Steve is a really really good instructor at, and live yeah. demo. He's like, I I think I'm pretty good, but he's really good. And he was <laughs> excellent. He got all the guys from uh, the Forged Irish Stout Company. They all forged something while they were yeah, there. That's crazy. Helped, they would help punch the hole for a bottle opener. In a hotel they, in Manhattan. And yeah. I don't, it's not even a hotel. Madness. Was, yeah, it was crazy. Right, right I, mean, I mean, in Times Square, madness. Quench buckets and fire extinguishers and shit like well, that? I don't and even what, know where the fire extinguisher was. I asked twice. Oh no one told me God. where it is, but I think it was in that back room that was near us. Oh, my. But, See, this yeah, is, we had water buckets. Say, we on, filled them up in the janitor closet. Like, oh, ourselves. Yeah, yeah. This is like... But we I, didn't ask is, permission. Problems, you just... I see like the the tablecloths catching on fire. I see like yeah. the rug I mean, getting burned. Yeah. Like the thing is, is what like Matt kind of skipped over the fact that like with with the the car, like Matt had um had like requested a decent sized like SUV sort yeah. of thing, and what we ended up getting was like a fucking a mid size. Like it was tiny. Oh god. And uh, and so we had to put all that in. I think like we'd had the the induction forge fired up once. once before we got there and it was literally just to make sure that it still works so this is the first time i've ever used an induction forge there and and but yeah we were doing all kinds of um like dumb fun stuff and bro and i said to matt like it's it's one of those because we like back here we quite often go to um places similar to that like we're doing a show uh in a couple weeks at the nec in birmingham um and it's a, a big indoor um, like event space, and we're going to be doing that. We're actually taking propane, and we're going to be doing forge welds inside. It's yeah. it's going to be a little bit tricky, but but it was just really good. For, and I think after we got over the initial kind of like um, the nervousness around like you know, we've got to act professional, and then when we realised actually no, we we can just have fun. It got so it, it was just a really really good fun time. It was so much um, fun. I think my my favourite bit was. Uh, I can't. I think I made a like a mild steel um, mini blacksmith knife, and then quenched it in a pint of the uh, the Irish stout oh, um, on on camera, and then had to like drink from the, yeah, the cup to like to, to make it all look good. And I then, have all that. Okay, <laughs> but the worst it was is I didn't realize that, or I didn't think about it. Obviously, quenching a, a little blacksmith knife in a pint of beer, that beer is going to get really hot. So that there's a like a a shot of me nasty. sipping the beer and then afterwards i'm just like oh god that was so hot it's horrible it is nasty and then and, scale one of the, on the bottom and you yeah like, one of the things i love about doing things like this it's not something i'd want to do all the time right but having just come from maker's camp where we were all problem solving the whole time um we were kind of like you said we kind of had nerve we were nervous about the whole thing but i was nervous about just driving there i was like dude we're not gonna be able to get there <laughs> like in the time that we allotted to set up, like I was like, we're not gonna be able to get there. We're running late. I was like, Times Square is going to be a hassle. Everything just worked out. We pulled up, we ended up like kind of so blocking good. the street, like, yeah. and just like unloaded. I thought we were going to get in trouble for that. Oh yeah. We're wheeling in, we're wheeling in, you know, this big machinery. And then like, we didn't even have a cart or anything right. to put the, I mean, that's a 350 right. pound amble. You can't go down. You can't go we, through the got, main entrance. We're you carrying do the service a sword. Entrance and the, oh my God. <laughs> we got all our tools, Dude, our bags, tool, buckets of water. We had to carry 
we had to carry six gallons of uh water just to fill up the thing so i brought the you know the water with us um but like you forget like i've done renaissance festivals my whole life of things like makers camp steve as well has done those things and like instead of just asking for help you just do it like we needed a bucket full of water i didn't ask joe schmo guy in a tuxedo who's supposed to be the event coordinator who would take two hours to do it i walked in the back room and talked to the janitor and chummed it up with him told him we're gonna be forging thought it was the coolest thing gave me a bucket and gave me some water you know what i mean like it's those type of things you just get hands on figure the problems out yeah everything works it literally we were like the hit of the entire thing i don't even know how many vendors there were probably 300 yeah uh, 200 i don't know there was hundreds of vendors Everyone wanted to come see what we were doing. We were making yeah. noise. We were throwing sparks. When we did the tandem striking, we took like a one inch bar and just heat it up. And like, we're just basically drawing a taper and then he'd roll it up and make like a big keychain or something out of it. But like, we were doing the strike and we're just going to town on it. Like sledge and striker and boom, boom, boom. Everybody <laughs> wanted to see. We got so many like Instagram well, videos and stuff made with us doing it. It was like absolutely yeah. like insane. And what I love is the fact that, like you say, because we're like having gone to Maker Camp where kind of everyone's a maker and everyone's mm -hmm. kind of seen blacksmithing and stuff before and then going to an event like this, like you say, people were just absolutely blown away by it. Like even even the other vendors, like because we had a a bit of a a break between sessions and I kind of had a quick wander around and every person I spoke to was like, oh, you guys are the blacksmiths. Are you ones that are making all that noise? Oh, I came over and saw you and all this. And they were like so excited because you know, how many people get to see blacksmithing? In and the not just the blacksmithing, the the actual well, yeah. mind of fuck that an induction melter <laughs> yeah. can yeah. be. They walking up are like, how is that working? And like that, Steve yeah. would like wipe his hand like a- right past the coil and he's like, are those coils just really hot and they heat up? And Steve yeah. would like put his hand on it or near it and then you'd be like what the so we had some people that were just like computer nerds or like you know tech yeah. people who didn't really care about the forging but just were like literally staring at the coils like what is what am i seeing yeah. i'm there, amazed there was one... <laughs> sorry you were saying i was gonna say there, there was just one person that i remember that i i think she nearly actually dropped her drink and did a proper double take when she saw yeah the induction forge working she was like how how is that what that's that's magic how, how does that even work yeah, yeah. Because it the is. Induction I mean, you, Forge yeah. is the only way you could have done it because there was no legally yeah. venting. There was no. Yeah. I'm nope. not 100% sure it was legal. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> just to let you know. It was as close as we could get. I mean, here's the interesting thing is I remember when I was at a metal shop and we would do installations in Manhattan, especially in Times Square, if we were doing a railing or whatever, and we had to bring all our tools with us. It was such a production because you can't go to the front. You got to go to the side entrance and then the side entrance, you got to have permission and then you can't park your car. And it's always a fucking hassle. Mm -hmm. Um, But the cool thing is, is like, and this reminds me of when uh, John, Ariani, Cliff, Jesse, and and Carrie and I did uh, Maker Fair, Maker Fair a number of years ago. There's the crazy part is, is like, you know, there's forge and fire and there's all this stuff, but people never really get to see the truth, you know, or yeah. what, we're, what we're doing. And when they do, it really is mind bending. And it's yeah. like it, and that's, that's how it should be. But we seem to can't, we can't seem to figure out ways in which it's much more approachable in terms of people seeing it, you know, yeah. and it's like, you know, they see forge and fire and they see all that bullshit and stuff like that. But then when they see you in person, 
they have questions because it's oh, yeah. like, is this what you actually do? Or like, right. yeah, this is all right. we know how to do. Actually, I, Listen, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, did you end up ever meeting Conor McGregor or hearing from so him? So that story is still to be told. The, the closest we got is his lawyer, his personal attorney was at that event and they were FaceTiming and they kind of had us like oh, yeah. FaceTime and say hi and like do like, you know, a little thing with him. But, um, that's all still like I still have the sword in possession. It's their sword. They bought it. I'm still supposed to do some more of these events, but um, also they do a bunch of them back in the UK and in Ireland. So even if I can't get over there, I'm hoping to at least get the sword to Steve and then at least let Steve go over and do that because that yeah. was all part of the handshake agreement. It was like, hey, we can't afford this full price of the video, but you're going to have Connor make a video with the sword and talking about the sword. We're going to do all that. So like all of that still has to play out and the video is doing pretty darn well. Um, so I'm not like upset about that. But uh, one, of, one of the cool things was we made a real teasing uh, Instagram real teasing uh, or basically like a trailer for the for the main video. And Connor did share that. So it went from like 5000 views to 1.5 million views in like 20 minutes. <laughs> I just messaged <laughs> Steve. I had like tagged Steve to be a collaborator on that too and he didn't accept it but as soon as he saw the numbers he did i was like yeah i bet you did accept that collaboration so now that reel is like 2.5 million it's just kind of it was neat and he and connor was super cool the whole time he was if we posted stories and tagged him he was um respond like he would respond to me through dms on instagram like hell yeah brother it looks awesome things like that um and he was sharing the stories resharing them and he's he seems to really get the importance of, you know, if you're building a brand, you yeah, you do some of the legwork yourself. And then uh, he did. And, and that's been cool. And the story is still going on. And honestly, there's a part of the story Steve doesn't even really like know much about is that I did a second event in Philly after he left. And I kind of like talked Chris Cash into coming with me and he really didn't want to do it. <laughs> so that event was not this. That event was at a actual old pub. Yeah. Just a bar. And we're up on stage with the DJ forging. And it was like a very <laughs> VIP. It was like a lot of money for a ticket to go there. I don't remember what it was. It was like $250 or something like that. And it was like all of Philly's influencers. Like, I don't really know. I'm sorry if I don't remember them, but like, there's a guy that's like big and tattooed and he like goes to all the like Eagles games and takes his shirt off and does like weird stuff. He was there. There was like so many people like that. And Chris is just like, yo, what the fuck did you bring me to? <laughs> oh, that's and, but we had fun. He, he ended up having a good time because you're chumming it up with like a lot of like pretty interesting people. He, he really made it in true Chris Cash uh, fashion. He made friends with the owner of the bar. Yeah. Like uh, and wanted to know, like, hey, how'd you get into this? Like, you know, is this a family business? And they just ended up chumming and we ended up making him a bunch of stuff and like yeah, it was just, uh, it was, it was way, I don't know which one was more wild. Cause the first one I didn't know what to expect. And like, we had all the nerves. The second one was just like, no one really, how do I say? It? Okay. So the first one felt like a demo. We, we like were demoing. Even. Right. Mm. The second one, we were literally just like a, a show. Like it was like, 
no one cared what we were well we were a lot of that's this is exactly what happened with us which we started helping start maker camp this yeah, is from yeah. i mean the first time you don't know what to expect and then uh -huh. you you start to realize what works and what doesn't work uh -huh. and then you can remember what you need to bring and then pare it down and then what works and what doesn't yeah. work and then the next time it's a little bit easier that that one was cool because like I was forging bottle openers and just like giving them like the right. bartenders were just blown away that we were there doing that. And I like walk up to her, the first, uh, like just gorgeous lady bartender. You could tell she was like the bartender of bartenders and <laughs> I gave her this like hand forged bottle opener and she was just blown away. So then everybody behind the bar wanted one. So we just kept doing that. And, uh, you know, just basically tapering a bar out and making a quick like little bottle over. It was no big deal, but, they yeah. thought it was the coolest thing. And then, like, people that were there who had bought tickets were like, hey, you're making them stuff, man. Can I buy that from you? Can you do this? Can you make me a knife? And it right. was like, it was just like, hey, yeah. But it was like, it was a ton of fun. Um, and I think we're still probably going to do a couple more. I just, one of those things that was cool to do a couple times. I don't know how much I'd want to do of it, but right. still yeah. trying. I just kind of like touched base with uh, the woman who runs those crazy events and trying to get um a gig of doing that but literally in the middle of the octagon oh jeez or, or a boxing event <laughs> did, and it, they think like hey i'll just come on out and do it and i was like well we really have to plan it out because yeah uh, they want the forge weld like big right like, well there's still 100 so we have to really plot that out this so this reminds you maybe ever... we do it in an empty arena and make it look like i'm there that could work, but I don't people in pro how you how I can guarantee no splatter. You know, the last big demo I did by myself was a number of years ago. Uh, this famous movie director it was a friend of mine asked me to uh, demo at his birthday party, and it was going to be on a frozen lake not too far from where we live, and it was going to be all night long. And he wanted me to bring a forge and a hammer, an anvil, and stuff like that. And he wanted me to forge knives on this frozen lake. It was the craziest part was how many famous people were there. And so the, I was trying to figure out the logistics and how thick is the watt, how thick is the, yeah. you know, because it's like, you know, all this impact going down. So they had measured the, how thick the ice was. And, and I remember, I mean, it was, it was madness because it was just like, I'm in the middle of the deepest lake in Westchester County. And yeah. like the deepest, I mean, it's like the, considered one of the deepest lakes, freshwater lakes in, 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 the, in the area. And I'm in the middle of it, and I'm forging all night long. We can't start forging until, like, 10 yeah. o'clock at night. And then all of a sudden, David Byrne comes over. And then all these other famous people. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking up, and there's Hugh Jackman. And Hugh Jackman says, <laughs> Hugh Jackman says, I wanted to show. So they originally said, we want you to forge knives all the time. And I know that I'm not going to forge a knife from the beginning. No one's going to stick around for that. Yeah, yeah. So I had, like, different ones all prepared, and all I had to do was heat them up and give them a couple of wax because it was fucking cold, too. I mean, it was it was below <laughs> freezing. And I had uh, bottle openers, and they were like, yeah, we want you to, we're going to pay you to make bottle openers all night. And I'm like, I'm going to prep them all. I had a time yeah. I'm fucking making people bottle yeah. openers and <laughs> line in the frozen We didn't lake. even have time to do that. We said we were going to do that. Like where you just yeah. punch one and pull out a finish. We one. had, uh, we <laughs> did that. And then the cool, so the cool part was, is people want to know what we're doing. And all of a sudden I'm yeah. looking over and there's this tall guy wearing like a ski parka, like from the eighties, very colorful. And it's Hugh Jackman. And Hugh Jackman wants to know what I'm doing. He's looking and watching. And I actually, he's getting a little bit too close to the anvil. And I just kind of said, uh, I pretended like I didn't know who he was. 
Like, so hey, I just boy. talked to him normal, and I said, <laughs> "Would you mind just backing up a little bit? Because I just I don't want to. I said I don't want to melt your jacket." And then he helped showing him, and then we gave him a bottle opener that we I made with the with the Modern Forge guys. I have a picture of me and him, but oh, I'm not allowed to post it because ah. the, the director, who's a great friend and also an awesome customer, asked me not to. So I will not post it. But it was wild. But at the same time, it's like you also kind of have to now when you had those experiences, you know the expectations of what's yeah. possible and what's not possible. Yeah. And these motherfuckers don't know anything either. It's not like they're just like, well, that really wasn't a fortune. Try doing Fuck a you. TV show. It's even worse. Producers yeah. have, producers well, I mean, that's have the thing. more exaggerated idea of what can happen. Well, that's the thing. It's like you. the greatest part is is you know way more than they do. And they don't yeah. know. And the crazy part about demoing, and you, know, you must know this too, Steve, is the fact that no one's going to sit there the whole time while you're forging something. It doesn't matter how long it takes. I mean, uh, it could be... You have five minutes. To you got five minutes. Yeah. You have to see uh, yourself but, almost like if you were practicing, you were a band, and you're practicing at the subway. People yeah. get on, people get off, and you can fucking do the same goddamn song. I have friends who used to practice one song in the subways, and oh, yeah. you people get on the subway, people get off the subway. It's always new people. No one's going to stick around because they got to make their train. And it's the same yeah. thing with demoing blacksmithing. It's like, it's it's never fast enough for people to really kind of sit around and watch unless they're the, like maniacs. As I say, the only thing that I've seen with um, with demoing and getting people to stick around, the only two ways I can do it is either if it's something that where it's super super quick, right. and you know it's like making a nail or or something simple like that, where each heat they can see progression if it's um like nobody wants to sit and watch you straighten a knife like that's no. just not interesting no um but if you can if you can either do something where it's uh super quick or you've got like lots of big sparks right. and like a forge weld or something like that but that's why a lot of the time we'll do um like joe and jimmy will um actually do the the forging and i'll stand at the front and just compare it and just interact with the audience tell them what's going on describe what's happening with each heat take questions and get like a bit of a back and forth going and that works really well because people then are are more engaged and they kind of have a better understanding of what's actually happening um but yeah unless they can see what's happening then yeah they just lose interest so quickly and and between heat if you're using a regular forge between heats i mean every pre every reheat is might might as well be like a fucking eternity while these people are standing around watching you need maximum juice with minimum squeeze and it's (laughs) like it's it's for especially for civilians for lack of a better word it's almost impossible I mean, yeah. the, the the duo striking was the way to go. They oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, doing. we're just moving yeah. metal, hitting bars, and people love that with a one bar and strong paper. That was super fun. Yeah. Now, are you either one of you? I mean, I think that some of the listeners don't really know who Conor McGregor is. Conor McGregor was an uh, Irish fighter <laughs> who was awesome in back in in, in uh, I think it was Cage Steel. I think he was a fighter. He might have been like not close enough but i mean i think he would might have gotten close to our friend honor kaglar in regards to their i mean they know the same people you know they're yeah. that, that uk eu well the uk fighting scene is very small and yeah, yeah. he just was incredibly charismatic and then he came over to the united states and just won the hearts of the ufc viewer because he was brash, he was interesting, he was funny, yeah. he was quick-witted, he was an awesome fighter. 
He's a character. In what well, he's he's a caricature. Like he's he's larger than life. Like that's his whole shtick is the fact that he's got this massive personality that that people really latch well, on to. I think a lot of a lot of like the boxers and UFC people before him really were super careful to make sure that they weren't the WWF or WWE. Yeah, you right. know what I mean. And Connor kind of made it show you like, oh no, you can be a heel. And we can actually still go out there and actually fight, and this can yeah. work, and this can pull in, and there's a reason why the WWE exists, and kind of broke that boundary. I'm not sure if he was the first one, but he definitely was the first, like, holy well, hell, what did he say kind of guy. You can say guys like Chael Sonnen yeah. uh, paved the way for uh, good, great shit talker, really knew how to promote. The whole idea is you're going to be able to promote the fights. And the yeah. wild thing about Connor is, is I think that especially in the fighting world, he was underrated because he was so uh, he knew how to sell fights. He was so good at it, but he was underrated because if you look at his, you know, when he came to the United States, he was unstoppable. And I yeah. think the most pivotal fight that he ever had was when he beat Jose uh, Jose Aldo, uh, which crazy. where he got his first belt. Jose Aldo is a Brazilian champion and who fought with some of the best fighters in the UFC and he would go five rounds, he would take huge punches. He had he was incredible. He, no one ever said, you know, he was a bullshit fighter. He was an incredible Hall of Fame fighter. And it felt like Connor when he had the opportunity to fight him, it felt like all right, well this is it. I mean, maybe the 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 road is over and he knocked him out in like five or six seconds, and it was like the sh most shocking thing of all time. And I believe, I mean, I I used to watch UFC religiously, and I believe that he was the total package. He was a, a, very charismatic. He was very yeah. smart. He was very shrewd, and he was an awesome, awesome fighter. I, I never missed a Conor McGregor fight, and I remember he elevated the UFC to... I mean, if it, if it wasn't for Conor McGregor, the UFC would never be in the position that it's in. There's no way. Probably right, yeah. Especially, like, I mean, when he went over to boxing, like, Floyd Mayweather didn't even know how to handle his shit talking. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, Floyd Mayweather, that, who was that was madness. fucking fighter, like, just didn't even really know what to do. It was, it was You could see him sitting there like, holy hell. I, you know, <laughs> I remember when I first started watching UFC and it was because I was, I liked, there was a guy named Mayhem Miller and he had a show on MTV called uh, Bully Beatdown. And, and all of a sudden you start to see these people and see this, and you know, you, you get fired up about it and mm -hmm. you follow the Gracie brothers and you learn all this stuff about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I remember when the UFC started and I knew my friends of mine were very involved with the Gracies back in the day. Not the, not the actual Gracies, but they would go to Gracie gyms and stuff like that. And yeah. the amazing thing was it is so um, – there's something about it that is so – you know, you talk to Honor Kagler. I mean, he when he was a really awesome fighter, uh, and his, he's got highlight reels, it's still – it was still a kind of a gross sport because it is like yeah. you know, there's a cage, and these guys don't have – they have very small right. hands, and they have small gloves, and it just doesn't seem as – it seems very barbaric. What he did was he really elevated to the point where I remember getting invited to a, uh, I guess it was Conor McGregor versus, um, it was a guy from Dagestan, I forgot his name. You know I'm talking about? The guy, the Russian guy. Um, oh. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. It's... Uh, uh, Khabib? Khabib Nurmagomedov. Yeah. 
that fight, I remember getting invited to a big, you know, VIP party. And none of these people had ever watched a UFC fight. And none of them know anything about who was what. And all of a sudden, I'm talking to people, and then they're saying, well, what do you think, Jeff? And I'm like, I mean, I just, it seems as though, and I, on Knife Talk, I did the predict. I did predict the chokeout. Yeah. But the crazy thing is, there's just still so many people who aren't fans. And Connor made mixed martial arts such a fandom. And the most amazing part about Connor is, he was smart enough to just not blow his money. And he really... Yeah. Creating this concept of forged, and I know he did uh, what was the proper ten whiskey, and getting involved with you know investing his money into making things. He is a pretty extraordinary guy, and now I, I think he's in uh, he's in the new Roadhouse movie with yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say about that. Yep. Well, it's I mean, what's amazing is is like actually last night. Uh, this is fr- This is coming out Friday. On Sunday was the Super Bowl, and I was actually texting with uh, my friend and producer and co partner, Craig Lockwood, and he was watching and just couldn't understand it. And he <laughs> couldn't understand why after every play in football, everybody would make a like they put their hands up and they'd celebrate every little play. And he said couldn't understand <laughs> it. And what I said to him was was well, these guys have a very short career. Like if you're a professional yeah. football player. You got to number one, get a degree of popularity. You have to get your stats up, but you have to be seen by the public, and you have a very, very short window where you can capitalize on this career. And I would imagine it's the same thing with mixed martial arts. And it feels oh, yeah. as though Connor, with no real, I mean, historical experience of being in business, figured that I got to fucking make some money while I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they call him the the first billionaire in UFC. Is he a billionaire? Fighting, yeah, that's what they yeah. say. Like that's his nickname. Jeez. I mean, he uh, he definitely learned how to market. And, and to be honest, most of the stuff he's put his name behind is pretty darn good. Like, my my wife really likes Proper Twelve, and I still haven't actually, on the record, probably should say this. But I haven't even had any of the beer, but Steve had some nice warm version of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But people seem to really dig it, and it's selling really well. And I mean, the way they. He does nothing small, so like the way they had us come out and forge at a, a you know beer tasting event, essentially, like that's the mentality they have. But, right, it's yeah. just over the top, super fun. No one leaves there thinking, "Oh, I shouldn't have paid that hundred fifty dollars for the ticket." They're all like, "Holy hell, that was like the greatest show that I could have." Minus there not being a fight in the middle yeah. of the room, which they actually are doing now. They're throwing. In these like pubs, they're putting rings up and having boxing matches yeah. and stuff. Like they're going all out. But, but that's what he did for his whole career. He just yeah. made everything about being a spectacle. Like it was, you didn't go because it was just another fight or just whatever. It's it's because it's such a spectacle, and that's what he was always really good at. And it, is getting people invested and m- making people really like love him or hate him. People wanted to to see him because they were excited about the spectacle of of him and his character i'll tell you that that was one of the things i was like nervous about in editing the video because they didn't give me any feedback how they wanted it edited i just said hey a 15 minute 15 to 20 minute build video and i sent them some links to like let them see some examples and they were like yep looks great so when i'm editing i actually have filmed a lot more talking points with me and a lot more talking points with steve kind of telling the story and Steve actually goes on saying how it is his first sword and like, you know, lots of different talking points and couldn't figure out how I was going to do it. The way I chose to actually edit the video 
even now kind of surprises me that that's the the route I chose. Like I tried to make it like a classy video that anyone would yeah. want to watch. No, not really flashy at all. There's some flashy moments. Kept the music kind of mellow. I didn't throw in a whole bunch of Irish music like everybody thought I was going to do. I just kind of like <laughs> kept it like kind of classy and very minimal talking. And I let the music and the work kind of create the mood instead of uh, telling somebody what they should feel. I just let it go. And like I have spent during the hack and during that whole time, I was like going through so many different emotions that to me, like, it was just an emotional video for me. Right. And I don't know if it really comes out like if you watch it, but for me it was like, okay, like I started with a Conor McGregor quote that he was quoting um, uh, Van Gogh, basically, and it, it just painted this whole mood of, you know, I dedicated my life to this career and in the end it's ruined me kind of thing. And yeah. And... It, I don't know. I don't know if I should. I still don't. I still second guess whether I should have gone that route or not. But that's where I was, and it just like came out so different than their marketing. And I still to this day <laughs> don't know what they're thinking about it because no one ever told me like, yeah, we fucking love it. They were just like, yeah, when's it going up? Like no one ever really complimented the video. They love the sword. They compliment the sword <laughs> over and over, but nobody I, really said anything about the video. So it was like, ah, but I, I'm gonna just move before you. Just let me. Just, get this out i'll stop talking about myself but um i am gonna <laughs> release a couple different videos like one with kind of steve and i telling the story more uh like behind the scenes and then i'm gonna release a video of that first new york forging event just because it's hilarious kind of a we shot it kind of vlog style and just like oh shit it yeah we did yeah we shot a lot like you shot a lot steve steve likes to overshoot a lot that's good <laughs> there's a lot i have 10 hours of footage of making that sword. So, uh, and a lot of it was slow mo. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I am going to put out those probably on our second channel. That works too. And uh, just let people that are really into it uh, see all the different sides of that whole experience because it was a ride. Still is a ride. Yeah. I, I would assume, based on what you were saying, that I don't know what they think of it and stuff like that. I would think that a lot of these guys are so fast paced that. It, I don't think they even care as long they're as it's already past it. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. They, they, I mean, they're just, I, most of these guys are probably trying to haul ass in order to stay on board this train. Well, they're, they're doing more than three, three, yeah. like a handful of people, guys and girls are doing at least three major events almost every night across the world. Yeah. So there's like one in yeah. Ireland and then there'll be one in Canada and then there'll be one in Boston. And then the same, next night, that whole crew that was in Boston will be in New Jersey. And then the, like, they're just doing it and they're going crazy. So I don't, I wasn't like, you know, you put months of your time into a, a video project. You kind of hope to get a little more feedback than I got, but um, I'm not bad at them. I, I completely understand. Yeah. I'm just grateful for the opportunity. want to do it again. And also like any creators out there, whether you're making a video or you just like to make things, be bold, man. You see something on Instagram and you want to make it, reach out to them. You never know. You got to do you got to do what I don't know if you guys know what Neil Kamamura is up to. But oh. Neil Kamamura now is on a I think it's a Max uh I don't know if it's oh, yeah. HBO or Max. There's HBO a show. Max. Yeah. HBO Max there's a show with um that's made by um Momoa. Aquaman. Yeah, Jason Momoa. 
and it's called On the Roam. And he did yeah. a whole episode with 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 um, with Neil at his shop, and mm-hmm. he talked about their whole their connection and how it came mm-hmm. about and stuff like that. And then there, uh, Neil just posted this picture of him and uh, Jason Momoa, f- you know, forging at the, in yeah. the same rhythm together. You've got to do whatever it takes to forge with to forge with Connor. I mean, you yeah, got to do I whatever mean, it takes. <laughs> I'm definitely going to give it a go, and I know that his. So people don't know, Connor uh, had his lower part of his leg like basically snapped in half in the last fight. Oh, by so uh, it's Dustin been, uh, Poirier. It's been like two years of rehab, and his they just announced his fight at the first of the year that's going to take place in June, I believe. Who's so, he fighting? Oh, they haven't figured it out yet. I right? should probably know. No, they did. They announced it. Oh, I already forgot. Anyway, I I don't want to. That's the most important thing for him in his life, that and his kids and his family. So, like, whenever it can happen, I think it will definitely happen, but I'm not pushing He ain't coming it. to you. You got to go to him. He might. I mean, he he's spends not a lot of time here. Maryland, I'll go, dude. I'll go he's fucking, like, I'll take the Cool yeah. Iron Works induction forge on his yacht for all I care. You gotta, <laughs> I'm telling you, you got to make it easy for him because Sounds coming good. to you and Chris, and you know, he ain't going to come. Yeah, I think the, the best shot yeah. of all that happening is... is if, Either me I, to go to Steve and us both yeah. go over, or Steve goes yeah. over, and something you got to like do whatever it takes because he's he also you know like you said, like the videos that he's in, it's like luxury behind him. Oh yeah. So you need yeah. to have some. You need to have the coal ironworks uh, induction forge, and then you're gonna have to tell his like his Just, his maid, hey, can you give me the special cord so I can plug this fucking thing in? <laughs> and then uh, it's gonna get annoying, and you you got to do whatever it takes because you know you got to do it. It would be yeah. cool. I mean, like, he's, love him or hate him, he's one of the most recognizable athletes in the entire world. I think he's, like, on the list. He's, like, number four or five. Do you and, have a uh, favorite fight that he's done? Oh, man, I, I like a lot of them. I mean, honestly, I I watch UFC not every week, but I watch it most fights I've watched. Um, I think the back and forth, I mean, I don't know. Favorite fight. Have you Hopefully. ever seen any of his fights, Steve? Uh, I've seen a couple, but I, I don't watch a huge amount of it. I've got to be honest. Like, yeah. it, I've just, yeah, I've seen a few, but I think um, most of them were probably after getting this uh, this video. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I saw a couple beforehand, but again, I, my memory's so bad, I can't remember a f- favorite one or anything like that. I mean, as far as like all of the pre show, after show, during the. The whole, you know, Diaz just series of fights was super fun, I think. Those two fucking talked so much trash. It was, <laughs> and I mean, like, Nick Diaz, he's like, yeah, man, I don't give a fuck. Let's go. Let's go right now. I don't give a fuck. Like, every interview, I thought maybe they were just going to fight. <laughs> I would say, I used to watch religiously for years, and I, I used to get the pay-per-views. I had this ritual. I, I loved watching. I had some friends who watched. I loved watching because I felt like I was part of something. I, I love sports now in general because when you're watching it in the moment, you're part of something. And, and I, it was it was uh, UFC 196 when he it was his first fight with Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz came off the couch. He was a fill-in for someone. They sold it. Everyone was crazy. Everyone was like, I mean, Connor was on the biggest role. He had not lost yeah. yet. And 
that was probably one of the greatest cards of all time, and not just because it was Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor. Um, it was amazing because everyone was stunned that uh, that that Nate won with a rear naked choke, and yeah. um, that was unbelievable. But the real amazing fight was that is also the fight where Misha Tate was fighting um, the preacher's daughter, uh, Sunny Shelley Sandy. She was winning. She was pl- she was fighting against Holly Holmes. She was fighting Holly oh, okay. Holmes, losing on the cards. She was going to lose if they gone to decision. All five rounds, she was behind. Whack. And yeah. in the last three, the last minute, she got around. She got a rear naked choke, and she choked her out and won yeah. the whole thing. It, it was that it was particular card. I remember that night. That card was, in my opinion, my favorite, and I'm a huge Daniel Cormier fan. Like, I love Daniel Cormier till the day I die. That fight, that card, that particular card, I think was one of the 190, UFC 196, probably the best fight cards of all time. And it was, a lot of it was because of Connor and Nate. And they weren't even the final, they weren't even the... Do you, do you remember, uh, I think it was the second to the last fight, uh, where he fought Cerrone? And he was... Oh, yeah. He almost like knocked him out with his shoulder. That with little shoulder. shoulder shrug thing. That's right. He learned. I that had fr- never even heard of a shoulder shrug punch. Uh, like, what? What? It was like what the? That was uh, Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva done that. Anderson oh, okay. Silva done that. He actually, he cl- there's a theory that he claims that that was uh, from Steven Seagal taught him that or something oh, like that. Okay. Some bullshit, well, I just remember know. watching that fight. Like, what the hell? That did was he a just great do? fight. And yeah, that was wild. Um, Cowboy Cerrone's dynamite. Another, he's yeah, another he guy a- very sponsor for. Uh, he was very uh, supportive of the maker community. He makes knives with Neil. Yeah, Neil seen that. as well. Yep. Um, I, I I I really love what Connor has done for uh in gen- for fighters too because he's created an avenue for people to not just be these guys who are like locked in a cage and they're they're you know m- morons mm-hmm. you know he's yep. he's given this avenue for all these young guys who don't have maybe you know this is the, their only opportunity he's yep. given the blueprints for this incredible success and you know I like the fact that as he's also a very good. He's a very good role model in regards to athletes figuring out ways in which to capitalize on their money and also figure out ways in which they can turn it into generational wealth. I think people don't really talk about that because you hear about stories of yeah. football players who are all of a sudden who, you know, after success and they don't have any money left in their name. And and you, you hear this stuff and you almost want to kind of transfer that over to everybody is to just, you know, when you when you're hot, understand it appreciate it and try to figure out ways in which you can keep it sure i totally get it i mean i did the tv show same thing happened to me i blew all that money did you <laughs> oh yeah well how much yeah. money did you blow you don't have to all tell me it. but i mean what did you blow it on a wedding oh well that's not blowing i mean that's not i mean that's that like and traveling back and forth to the west coast like every other week just not caring and just buying out meals and like living the life dating a beautiful woman and Yep, I don't have much to show for it other than a really cool video of a really nice wedding. If your wife's if your wife's (laughs) listening to this, Natasha, he didn't mean he blew it. (laughs) That all that stuff sounds like it's It's money well spent. Well, many nice job, Steve. Money well spent, Natasha. You're not listening to this part. Money well spent. It was money well spent. Yes, she had a nice ring. Let's put it that way. All right, all right. Let me do the talk. Let me do the talking. Let me do the talking when it comes to you know. Don't worry about that, Steve. What are you guys up to over over in the UK these days? Because uh, you're back. You're no longer yes. here in the United States. You're no longer an illegal alien. I don't think you ever <laughs> were. Were you? 
no, uh, no, I was mostly legal when I was there. Um, but yeah, no, I'm back. We are. We're really, really busy at the moment. We're working with um, a couple of different YouTubers, uh, including Mike from TA Outdoors. He's got a big um, YouTube channel with uh, two million, two and a half million subscribers, something like that. Um, and we're making axes for him. Million, million. <laughs> oh, listen to that. That's a sour grape <laughs> stagma right there. Um, but yeah, we're doing doing that. We're, uh, we're making... Uh, so many knives at the moment as well. I'm having to make like 200 butter knives a month um, and all this sort of stuff. We're going to the British shooting show, uh, let's say, I think next week, the week after next. Um, and we're we're going along to that because Joe's working on a project um, where he's essentially taking old shotguns and making knives out of them, using the barrels as cladding, like the old Damascus barrels as cladding on blades, uh, making the handles out of the stock. We're looking at ways that we can utilize like as much of the gun as possible into these knives. Um, that's a really, really fun project. Uh, I have finally got uh, my camera out and I've started filming again. Um, Jimmy and I are going to be working on making some films uh, to go up on my channel at some point. Um, I'm in the middle of doing one for the Thornwood channel, uh, just as a kind of introductory re- video to kind of say who we are and what we do. Um, but yeah, so I'm hoping that before I'm back at Maker Camp this year, I'll have uh, a few videos up on my channel and I'll actually be able to start kind of filming the sort of videos that I want to film and making the sort of videos that I want to make. Um, and then hopefully, maybe when I'm over in the States uh, this time, I can bring the camera with, with me and, and make a few more films. I'd, ideally, I'd like to get down to Maryland and make a few more videos with Matt as well. But Isn't, um, that, isn't that a standard? Isn't that, aren't you like booked now? You go to Chris Cash now all the time and you probably have to make, <laughs> you probably have to make it up to him. He's probably like grumping. He's like, yeah, you're going to do something with, with Matt again. I got to get you. I got to make, you got to make it up to me. I mean, I think Chris is Chris is happy for me to uh, to do a video or two with Matt as long as it pays for the ticket for me to go over, and then I can help him move rusty bits of iron around the workshop for six weeks or whatever it is. Because that's all that's all we do when we're there. Bits, bro. We and then does he? And then <laughs> last question, Steve are Are you sick of the folksy expressions that Matt and Chris probably pepper you with? These folksy, oh like, <laughs> folksy, like, cliche, uh, inspirational got, shit. He has more of them than we do. No, I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second, Matt. I don't believe that for a second. I think that you and uh, you and Chris spring out some fucking country-ass, <laughs> country-ass <laughs> bullshit, you know, like, uh, you know, that uh, that I'm sure it's just like, oh, he's rolling his eye. By the end, I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't take any more of this country-ass bullshit. There, there is actually a video uh, somewhere. I was in the, I think it was like literally within the first couple of weeks, a uh, cu- couple of days of being at the, um, at Chris's place. And he's got like a 50 something Dodge pickup. And, um, and it's got no, like, there's nothing in it. It's just the shell and the chassis and that's it. And um, he was moving it by picking up the, the rear end with the forklift and driving it around like that but I had to be in the front to kind of steer it and also stamp on the brakes when he stopped. And I did a quick little video saying, uh, I wanted to say, well, uh, I got, I got to drive the truck or something like that. And I just accidentally said it in the most kind of like redneck way ever. Yeah. It was proper. It was horrible. Um, 
so yeah, unfortunately, being around those two, I end up picking up all these weird, oh. horrible sayings and things. As you well. I don't even talk. Ever. You have to How'd start you when, 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 when Chris Cash talks. You have to start with the word "well." Well, and then, <laughs> and then you finish your sentence. So yes, you do. And yeah. clap. He always clap. All right. Yeah, it does. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so Matt, what are you up to? What's going on with you? Oh man, I'm just uh, trying What's to get back What's into next? things. What's next? I mean, I got a video coming out this week of making like a rondelle dagger, which is pretty cool. Uh, I made that like basically when Steve was here, I finished it up. That was a <laughs> long time ago. I got a bunch of little videos that I'm doing, but um, you know, I I kind of just made a decision like a week ago not to go for uh, MS this year at uh, Blade Show, but I am gonna. It's master bladesmith, not multiple sclerosis. Yeah, I'm gonna go for master <laughs> probably next year. Um, I just don't want to rush it, and yeah. I got a lot going on. I really need to focus on rebuilding my channel. It's still kind of gimping along. Um, so I'm gonna do the performance test. I think here in the next month, um, just to get that done and make a video or so out of that. But just trying to kind of really rebuild the YouTube channel. Um, YouTube.com slash that work. And um, don't worry, I will put it in the not, end. Don't worry not about just that. that. Like, like I said, this whole the whole the whole hacking thing, just the life change of uh, basically doing most of the stuff by myself now, um, just kind of put me in a writer's block kind of mentality for a while. And I'm I feel like I've broken through that. And I'm yeah. doing stuff. Where re- Chris and I have put a lot of time in revamping the shop. We got like screw press in there, and we got like he just took out his little giant that I thought he never would and put in a really cool old uh, steam hammer inside the shop. So like we're, we're rocking and rolling. Chris is making a bunch of hammers. I've been making a ton of chasing hammers lately. And I really I saw enjoyed, that. really enjoyed making tools over blades for a little while. Sometimes the blades just get much. And I've seen you just killing it, dude. Your, your reels lately have been really great. You, you're kind of like, when I see you making so many knives every week, I'm like, <laughs> okay, maybe I should do something. Life. Well, it's a business. <laughs> I got a business. I, yeah, I think man, that you're killing it. Though. I tr- really well, I'm, I'm maiming. I'm maiming it slightly. No, you're not. <laughs> I'm, like, you're not. I'm not really killing it. I'm, I'm maiming it. Everything's working out, but at the same time, the, for the Instagram thing for me has been like I need maximum juice, minimum squeeze. That's that's yeah. and it's been like those reels are great, man. It just well, it's I, I'm getting an anvil, boom, done. Good you reel. know what's so annoying about the whole thing? Number one is knife makers are fucking scum. Most of them. Most of them. <laughs> They're all. How many thieves. people are doing that exact oh, reel now? Dude, the thieves are unbelievable. Oh, they they go, they go, they go. Number one, I'm going to start a podcast, and number two, and then be like Jeff, and then number two, I'm going to steal his designs, and number three, is I'm going to fucking steal his reels. It's <laughs> well, just then like, you got somebody like Charles Leinhardt who did the reverse, you know, know. throw the knife. That, that was fun. That hey, was look, fun, but Charlie's got to like. I mean, find you, your own thing, dude. I, I, I mean, Jesus Christ! I mean, all you, you guys. Become, if you become a meme, it's good for business. Well, if I become yeah. a meme, this is the meme, guys. Be creative on your do. You, you live your own life. You know, that's the problem with a lot of knife makers in general. I'm not going to get too far into it, but it's like you should be on your own way. You shouldn't be like, you know, be creative and execute your own creativity. You're on your own journey. You're not on my journey. Leave, get, leave my journey alone. But one thing I want to say is I will never leave Matt and Steve House alone. These two guys are awesome. Matt Stagmer, that works on Instagram. Uh, no, Matt Stagmer on Instagram, that works on YouTube, and that works too on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Steve House, Moonshine Metalwork on Instagram, and what's your YouTube channel? That's it. Moonshine uh, yeah, Metalworks? Moonshine Metalworks as well. 
All right. Yeah. Moon Moonshine Mental works on on YouTube, and we're gonna. I'm gonna tag. If you guys want to see where wherever wherever you listen, in the show notes will be all the links, all hyperlinks to Matt's stuff, to Steve's stuff. And I really appreciate the both of you coming over here. I love this story. I knew it was going to be good. Steve, I did not beat your brakes in like Jesse <laughs> wanted me to. I'm so impressed. Jesse yeah, wanted go, me to. And I, yeah, I said, I can't a, do that. To, I cannot do that to my friend Steve. Go watch <laughs> Go watch Steve make his first sword. I was go just watch Steve there. make I, his first sword. I really just filmed him do it. Just we put <laughs> some like camera tricks where it looked like I'm doing some of the work. But it was, it was really all Steve. All right. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> You did a great job. We did it, guys. We did. Sorry, it. we got. A, I got a hard out, but I'm sorry. I really appreciate you both being here. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. <laughs> we'll do it again. Steve, you're the man. Matt, you're the man. Everybody, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your support. I thank my sponsors. And once again, I need your blacksmithing questions. If you're listening to this, go to knife uh, full blast podcast on Instagram and DM your blacksmithing questions for. We're gonna have in a couple of weeks. We're gonna have Pat Quinn to answer your questions. Matt Stagmer, Steve House, guys, thank you once again. Thanks, man. Pleasure. Pleasure was mine.